Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, and today you're listening to one of our monthly Voices episodes where we interview interesting people from our community and beyond. So last month, Sarah and I did an episode about kids' activities and sports. And as it turns out, both Sarah's kids and mine have always had a pretty laid-back attitude about extracurriculars. They've all done activities outside of school, and they've all played a sport or two, but mostly in a pretty casual and not terribly competitive way. So that definitely informs our family culture around sports and activities. So we thought it would be great to feature a parent whose kids have been really involved in an activity just to get that other side of the story. And I think you'll agree that today's guest fits that bill. Today, I'm talking with Kelly Rippon, who is author of Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self. So Kelly is also a mom of six kids, and one of them happens to be Adam Rippon, the figure skater who won the 2016 U.S. Nationals, competed in the 2018 Winter Olympics, and happened to win season 26 of Dancing with the Stars. He also has a really funny Instagram account, which you should totally check out. It was really cool to get to talk to Kelly about Adam, but Adam isn't the only accomplished member of his family, believe it or not. I was amazed hearing Kelly talk about Adam's five younger siblings who were all involved in a variety of activities and how she managed it all, by the way, as a single mom, by keeping her eye on the big picture and not getting too lost in the details or feeling like she had to micromanage every move. Kelly describes her role as an opportunity creator, which I love, and describes how she learned to embrace those choices her family had to make in order to help all of her kids thrive. We also talk about today's sports culture and how parents can be a force for change within it, plus how organized activities can be fertile ground for kids to learn qualities like resilience and empathy, even if they're never very competitive. Whether you're signing your preschool up for that first t-ball season or trying to decide whether it's a good idea to enroll your teen in a competitive dance troupe, you're definitely going to want to listen to this interview. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. 
These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionics Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionics best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on the Mom Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a longtime fan. I love that so much. And I just think your perspective on this is so interesting. Um, We just did an episode not too long ago, maybe a month ago, about sports and activities and just trying to balance it all. And Sarah and I, as we both admitted in that episode, we're just not like none of our kids have really been that all in on any one activity, any one sport. And so that's kind of worked with like the way we know how to do things, which is that we don't even really know how to be moms who have, you know, really like elite athletes or dancers or anything like that. But you're not just a sports mom. You are the mom of a champion figure skater and Olympian. So like you have the most cred on this topic ever. And I'm really hopeful we can dig into a lot of the questions we got from listeners and um, also just get a kind of a behind the scenes glimpse of what this looks like. So we definitely want to hear all about Adam, but I am sure we're all used to him getting the lion's share of attention, right? And you have a bunch of other kids. So let's start by you telling me about your other kids and then we'll start talking about Adam. Well, um, I'm a mom of six. So um, Adam is the oldest, followed by uh, his brother. And I say that his brother is in the parent protection program. So he has, he has a, a, a job that requires a low profile. So he works for um, the government and he's a lawyer and he's also uh, a new owner of an awesome rescue pet. So I am a grandmom pup, whatever they call that. <laughs> I'm like obnoxiously sending people photos of this dog like every day <laughs> and I'm asking him, where are my pictures? Um, 
The next child down is uh, Brady, who I have ordained as my favorite child. And that took a lot of stress out of um, competition with the kids. He's just home. like, he's my favorite. So now you don't yeah. have to worry about it. Okay. I love well, it. Well, you know, it's a tongue in cheek favorite. You know, of when course. the boys, yeah. I say, I tell this story in my book when the two older boys, when they were, they used to squabble about, you know, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Or I'd say, oh, can you get me that? Or if I was feeding one of the kids and they would, ru- both of them would try and rush to get it first. And then they would say, you know, mom, who's your favorite? And I just arbitrarily, I thought, I'm just going to say Brady because he's so easy to get along with. And and then I said, everyone else is tied for second. And they agreed to that. And I mean, that was a very long time ago, more than 20 years ago. And everybody's kind of okay with it. So um, they all know their place, right? Sometimes right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brady's a scientist, actually. He's a biostatistician. And um, he was very handy to have around during COVID. Um, he works um, in New York City. Um, the next one down is uh, my daughter, Jordy. She is out in California. She's in her third year of her MFA at CalArts. Um, she's a theater, stage production, and puppetry major. And then my next child after that is Dagny, um, my youngest daughter. She is um, in law school her first year. And then my youngest just started his third year of college. He's 20. He is um, an art illustration, animation major. So that is the story of all of them. They all participated in something, whether it was Odyssey of the Mind or Academic Scholastic Bowl. My daughter was a gymnast um, and she participated in varsity cheer. She also did lacrosse, varsity lacrosse in high school. My daughter, Jordy, the one that's theater, she was very active and went to nationals a couple of times with national speech and debate for forensics. So they all participated in some sort of sport or activity that required following rules, um, getting along with others, accepting defeat, and um, trying to improve. So I think that no matter if it's like community youth soccer or if it's the Olympic Games, you have to have the same practices to get the most out of it. Yeah, I love hearing about that. It sounds like you've got a really high-performing family, but with a really diverse um, set of interests, which I think is great. Like, it, it mm-hmm. feels a little overwhelming to me. I'm a mom of five. And just thinking yeah. about nurturing such a wide variety of interests could be right. kind of a lot um, going on. So before we dive into all that, Let's talk about Adam. He's the oldest. So what's the mm-hmm. spread between him and his youngest sibling? The age difference? 10 years, 11 months. So just under okay. 11 years. Yeah, they were pretty close together. So that's about the spread of my five, about just about 11 years. And that's a lot. There's a lot going on when you've got a house full of kids, all of them under the age where really any of them can be left home alone. <laughs> you know, that's right. just a lot going on. So I'm picturing you like, you know, shuffling around little kids to practices and rehearsals and things like that and having a, having a very large vehicle. But, um, talk a little bit about Adam and what him being the oldest, his rise to really ultra competitive figure skating. How did that look? So he's the one, you know, he's the oldest one. He's kind of like leading, at least he's not like right in the middle or the youngest, which I could see would add like a totally different set of dynamics. But What did that journey look like when all of your kids were growing up? Well, in the beginning, it 
was um, if the kids were genuinely interested, being like I live in a rural area of Pennsylvania, so there isn't high level or I shouldn't say high level in the meaning of success. I mean, in the meaning of quality instruction, Um, because whether or not you're paying for a private lesson in Hoboken or you're paying for a private lesson in New York City, you could have the same quality depending on who the person is giving the instruction. But we didn't really have that in our area. So um, when he started taking lessons, I had to take him down to the Philadelphia area, which is about two and a half hours away. So he skated on his own with just people at our recreation rink here for about nine months. And then I took him in the summertime, I took him down to Philadelphia to do some little summer camps and things like that. But I was driving him back and forth and pregnant with my youngest at the time. And he was 10 when he started skating. So he was introduced to the sport late. Let's dig into that a little more because I think that there's this, and we, and we kind of talked a little bit about this in the, in that last episode, but this conception that like, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, well, the best skaters got on skates before they could walk. And you know, the best of right. uh, these players had a ball in their hand by the time they were able to grip something. And, and that's not always the case. I would love to hear a little bit about why, like, how did it take him that long to find skating? And then how did you know there was something different going on where it was like, okay, this isn't maybe just like a little hobby he's going to do. Maybe, maybe this is worth investing family time in. Well, earlier in my career, I was a dance teacher and I did choreography for gymnastics. So I did um, beam and Florex choreography. Um, so I was a, I was around athletes. I knew what recruiters were looking for as far as like good backs and good balance, hand-eye coordination. So I could see different things in different kids. And I thought, oh my goodness, that, that little girl, that little boy is going to be a good baseball player or going to be a good hockey player or whatever. Um, but with him, it's different because you, you see your own kids through different eyes, of course. And um, he went to a birthday party and I skated a little bit. Um, and did some choreography for show programs for, for um, brothers and sisters of, you know, that had, that were involved in competitive sports, but they were from the Allentown area. So, because we didn't have a rink here, we just had outdoor rinks. And then when they opened an indoor rink, they opened it and they offered birthday parties and he went to a classmate's birthday party and that's what started the whole thing. He saw kids that were skating backwards and doing jumps and he wanted to learn how to do that. So, and I, I honestly thought it was something that he would try and get bored with. And it was probably a 60 minute or a 30 minute drive um, from where we lived. And I thought he's not really going to be that interested. So I said, you know, I'll bring you for a few public skates and if you like it, I'll sign you up for lessons. And he just loved it. And and I loved being able to go out because he and his younger, the one next in line, um, we would, the three of us would go skating and it was kind of a nice little break from the family. So he really loved it and asked if he could take lessons. So for his birthday, um, I gave him lessons in ice skates and that, that started the ball rolling within three months. He was competing at the Keystone State Games. And then started teaching himself. And I saw that he was teaching himself some bad habits. And I thought he's going to need some 
professional instruction because he's just copying things from YouTube and, yeah. <laughs> you know, copying things from the kids at the rink. So I brought him down to a coach in Philadelphia and she, you know, looked at him and said, he's very old to start skating, but we he's will give it a old. try. I yeah, that. I know. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he started and within two years, um, he kind of caught up to everyone else. He had to kind of put in that painful, uh, you know, as a 10 year old being on the podium with someone who's only like eight years old next to you, um, ahead of you, you know, you're, right. you're like six inches bigger than that boy. But, um, you know, a little humble pie is always good, um, yes. at the start. And, you know, within two years he was at, you know, had caught up and surpassed a lot of the kids his own age. So um, by the time he was 13, he was on Team USA traveling internationally. Um, I wonder if your background in dance was really well suited for figure skating. I I can just see there being perhaps some, some things you'd be able to see in form and things like that. Whereas maybe if he'd gone all in on football, you might've felt a little, (laughs) a little more out of your, out of your element there. Well, honestly, the first thing I did was, you know, like what most parents would do. um, I brought them to a hockey game because the boys liked skating and I thought that they would enjoy being on a team versus doing something individually. And both of them preferred figure skating um, because his, his brother also skated and, um, but he retired. He just took lessons locally and, you know, was more, he just wanted to be able to learn how to skate fast and to just have that lifelong ability. Yeah. And then all of my kids took skating lessons, but no one fell in love with it. And luckily everyone saw, because my daughter was a very good competitive gymnast when she was about 10, 10 or 11, I guess, um, the coach said she needs to go to a a bigger gym for better instruction because she's, you know, she's not really getting challenged here. And when, when you are, you know, um, at that top of your environment, you get lazy or you get complacent and you don't realize how far there is to go and what your potential really could be unless you're challenged by people who are far better than you. And, um, I had talked to her about it and she thought about it. And I even say this in my book that she said, you know, I don't want Adam's life. I want to have birthday parties and sleepovers and I don't want to be away from home. I want to have dinner with the family every day. I want to have friends and go to school. Um, So I'm okay being like really good at my little gym. I don't need to be world champion or go to nationals or anything like that. That's not my ambition. My ambition is to have friends and to just kind of pace myself through elementary school (laughs) and uh, high school. So that is amazingly insightful. Well, she knew, you know, Yeah, she knew. Well, and I wonder what the lesson is there for other parents, because I think a lot of people get really nervous when their kid shows any sign of aptitude early and think, well, what is this getting me into? Like, what am I signing myself up for? And maybe there's a lot to be said for giving your kids the tools to understand what that means. Um, Right. And then the ability to make their own decisions. So how do you think that actually played out in your family? Like, why do you think your daughter was able to make that call? 
Well, because, you know, it, talent, it, it doesn't get you to the Olympics. Do you know how many people are so far more talented than Adam or some of the boys that and men that get to go to the Olympics? Hundreds of them. And but what talent needs to have partnered with is perseverance and resiliency. And if you can't get through those moments, um, it you and you have to be willing to prioritize. And when when people at the Olympic level or, or world level say something about sacrifice, they're not sacrificing, they're reprioritizing. And because once you feel that it's a sacrifice or people that say they, they had to give up so much, um, they're really not giving up anything. They're really gaining an awful lot. They're just restructuring right. priorities. And she knew what her priorities were. And that was to be social and to be grade appropriate. You know, she just wanted to be a fourth grader and wanted to love her fifth grade life. And she wanted to have, you know, um, cheer at her local, uh, you know, basketball game. And, you know, if she could do like a, you know, back handspring layout, that would be really cool for her team. So um, she was okay with that. And I think that that's kind of trips parents up because when they see their kids have it, especially with singing or sometimes dance, uh, they think that there's some kind of obligation that their kids must pursue it to the highest level of public acknowledgement. Sometimes kids can pursue things privately and they don't need to have, you know, a public performance or a public award for it. Um, and that's when kids learn like intrinsic satisfaction versus extrinsic satisfaction. Well, and it's like, I think there's this idea and this cultural sort of um, ideal maybe around going all in, but everybody goes all in in a different way. So for your daughter, it's like, I'm going all in in, in this way, because this, this is what's important to me. And maybe Adam's going all in in a different way, because that was what was important to him. And then you're the mom trying to help everybody go all in mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to their own, to six different human beings. Right. Um priorities and abilities and all of that. So um, I want to circle back to like what that looks like, but you know, as far as like when we're helping parents work through helping their kids make those decisions, but first let's just talk about what that looks like. So Mm -hmm. here you are, you've got your oldest child is showing not just real potential, but real interest in that potential, which I think you've really, you've really um, wisely laid out the difference there. Mm -hmm. And then you're driving around getting him from this place to this place. He's moving up. You've got five younger children. How did right. this life look at that time? Schedules, expectations, practices, like weekends, performances, games, all that stuff, dinner, money, right. all of it. Right. Well, it, you know, um, again, I had to reprioritize too. So I left um, my normal job and took on like four part-time jobs. Um, because I was divorced, you know, when the kids were very young. So I was on my own with all of these kids. So it was um, uh, important for me to have, you know, a physical presence in this, the management, because my daughter had some learning issues. So it was important for me to be available for her after school to go over her lessons with her from school. So um, I would say just pretty much what he did. The, at that time, the, I felt a, a sense of responsibility 
to um, not only be the best mom for those kids, but to just be the best that I could be. And whether you're, you know, uh, a letter carrier or a, a parent or um, well, however you make your living and you you have to like embrace that or fold that into being a parent, it really depends on how, what the load is, right? So I, mine was six kids um, that needed a lot of attention. So for me, I, I knew I could not have it all. I knew I could not have like some fabulous career and micromanage my kids through a third party or something like that. I, I knew for me, the right decision was to be in front of them as much as possible, to work other jobs and to find joy in it. So that for, for me, just like that person at the Olympics didn't say, oh, I had to sacrifice. I never wanted to feel like I was giving something up. I always wanted to enter the day managing schedules and driving the kids or waiting in the car. Like it was the best possibility for me to be my best self. So to get as much joy out of parenting. So it wasn't such a chore um, because I th- you have a choice, you know, when you're driving kids around and they're the ones accepting trophies or scholarships or getting prizes or, and you know, you're in sweatpants with unwashed hair. You, it's easy to talk yourself into that somehow you are being uh, slighted or that you're the one that you're you know, giving is everything doing up. all the work. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I knew it was very important when um, I focused on, you know, having career fulfillment with those, those uh, three or four part-time jobs that I had. And I made sure that I engaged in things that I really loved to do, like teaching, you know, I did adjunct work and I did some writing and um, I taught English as a second language and, you know, many different things that I felt um, that raised my efficacy, not just as a teacher and communicator, but as a person. So I was able to have little um, mini charges throughout the day to, to remind myself that I was more than just a driver. You know, I was an opportunity maker. So I think for parents, it's so important, you know, when you are, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, juggling four car seats at a time, two in diapers for more than a decade. So I know, you know, I know those challenges and I know those feelings of walking out on the porch thinking like, how much trouble would I be in if I just ran away right now? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I know those feelings and it's a quiet conversation you have to have with yourself to remind yourself, um, this is exactly what I chose. Nobody's forcing me to do this. Nobody's forcing you. Once you have a baby, no one's forcing you're a parent, but no one forces you to be a good parent. That's a choice. Yeah. And no one forces you to decide the way that is the, you know, the best version of being a good parent for your specific family. And, and, um, and, I guess, circumstances too, which is like, everyone's are a little bit different. I'm wondering when you're talking about, um, you know, how this actually played out and looked in your family, you mentioned that you had other kids who were also involved in, in sports, um, and activities Mm -hmm. that maybe didn't always perfectly line up with each other. So how did you, um, we'll get into like the, you know, the nuts and bolts of like the actual how, but like, um, day to day, but like more as a broad thing, were there moments mm-hmm. where you're like, Ooh, I've just got to go in a little harder on, 
on this kid or that one because that's the one who needs me right now, needs my attention. We we talk a lot on the show about how fair is not always equal. And I think that when you have a bigger family Mm -hmm. is especially true. And then especially when kids have very different needs within that family. So how did that kind of philosophically play out for you? Well, I would look at their schedules, you know, months in advance, and I would make sure that um, for those school activities that I was in town. And luckily, most of the time, Adams International competitions, um, I was available to go to. I think over the 13 years that he competed internationally, um, when he was older, I should say, um, I didn't go, I didn't. You know, I, I missed one world championships. I missed uh, maybe two or three Grand Prix out of a season, a 10, 10 year season. So um, I was able to meet just about all of them. I missed nationals once, um, but uh, I was able to travel with my daughter. She was at nationals for forensics for all of them. Wow. Um, but they were they were just once a year, you know. Um, yeah. And I knew there were certain things that um, it was just important for me to be at. And I was able to, you know, luck has a lot to do with it, too. Um, I had to give up the practicing part. You know, a lot of people, when their kids skate or um, practice, uh, you know, some sort of high-level performance, they're there and they're watching practices. Yes. And that could take up your entire week. Yeah. My yeah. time was too valuable. Like I right. needed to get to the other kids to do their activities. Right. So he, Adam had to live with another family during the week as he got older. And then when he was 17, I was driving him back and forth for about five months. And I say this in the book that I reminded myself it was temporary. And then in May, um, late May of 2000. Seven, I think it was. Um, he moved into an apartment with the Japanese team, and um, so he was, you know, with kids kind of his own age, but lived in an apartment through the week. And then I would go out and visit him on Saturday, you know, take him to dinner or something like that, or he would come home for the weekend, depending on what his training would look like. I I love hearing you talk about this because I think that um, one of the things that we talk a lot about on this show is really looking at your role as a mom. Um, there's lots of, it's multifaceted. We know this, but sometimes it's really time for you to step into that. We call it the Mrs. Hughes from Downton Abbey role where you're like the manager. You're not necessarily the micromanager. You can't be right. there for every single little thing. You're really mm-hmm. looking at the big picture. Like you're the CEO of the right. family. And I think right. this is never more true than when you have lots of kids. Like right. everybody's got different priorities and, and needs and um, aptitudes. And it's your job to see the big picture and what each kid needs. But that doesn't mean you can do everything. Like you can't necessarily, like you said, be at every practice for one child when you have five other children. You right. really have to look at like the big picture. And I, I love you talking about through that, what that looks like, because I imagine that was rather a gradual like it wasn't like one day you woke up and said, well, it's time for Adam to move in with another family so he can become an elite athlete. No, right. It was like you get there by steps, right? Yeah. Well, in the yeah. beginning, the two youngest, because I was still nursing my son. So in the yeah. beginning, we were staying at a hotel one night. I would drive down early on a Tuesday. We would stay over Tuesday night and then he would get practice on Wednesday. And so that was two days. And then I would drive back and forth. Uh, on Monday and Thursday. So he was able to get, you know, four lessons in that week. 
Um, and I only stayed over one night. So, um, but in the very beginning for the first two years, I was taking the baby with us, um, because I was nursing him. So Mm. I don't honestly, you know, when I look back it, my life would have been a little bit different, you know, that, that real Joe or whatever that, that show is, um, ordinary Joe or whatever. The, the I think sh- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this show where this man has like three different choices and he thinks like his, his entire life pivoted on the choice that he made. And I think if my life would have looked different, if I maybe only had Adam as an only child or um, he might not have had the success because I really didn't have the luxury of interfering too much you know, with his career and, um, or if he had two or three, perhaps my career wouldn't, my personal career outside of parenting, um, you know, maybe I would have written a book a long time ago, you know, um, maybe I wouldn't have waited all of those years. Um, so, I mean, there's all different things. Um, but for me having, you know, just like a said the letter carrier, it's going to take you all day to, if your bag is full, but if your bag isn't that full, you know, if you have a, a child that's fairly easy, not so demanding, doesn't have a lot of special needs, um, you have a lot more freedom to have a wider personal lane. But your your personal lane gets shorter or you're more narrow when yeah. you have more children with diverse interests where you can't have two or three going to the same dance studio, you know, um, where they're all going in six different directions. So, um, and I didn't, I, I, it was important to me. Like I said, I, I found it to be joyful. It's not everybody's thing. And I did have somebody that lived with like a live-in helper for, um, two years right after I got divorced. And, um, she was a a huge asset, uh, because the pickups and, you know, you cannot be late as you know, like one second late or, you know, social services called immediately. (laughs) Um, if you were in the pickup line. Um, so, I mean, there, I always had that buffer that I had her here. So um, that was helpful. Like I said, every, everybody is different and some people have one child, but it demands the attention of 10 um, because they're, you know, their kids have rage disorder or they have, you know, physical um, disabilities or, attention disorder that you really need to be around, you know, to keep them safe. So, I mean, it does, sometimes it's just not about the numbers of kids. Oh yeah. Right. You know, I always tell people like five kids is not necessarily five times as hard as one. And that's, I think, true no matter what. Yeah. It just depends. Yep. Yeah. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first mani system. 
That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Kelly. So I know that you wrote a book um, called Parents Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self. Tell us a little bit about that book, um, who it's for, and and what lessons you kind of incorporated into that. Well, the I started writing this book without even knowing it years ago, it was years in the making because I took, I was a corporate trainer. And when I took a lot of those um, best practices that people develop in the corporate structured world with like active listening, uh, conflict uh, resolution, negotiation, team building, leadership, all of those dynamics, I took them and unknowingly was incorporating them with my parenting philosophy. And that's how I raised my kids with this sort of pro, you know, kind of project management philosophy. And we were saying like the logistics of getting kids to different places, you know, I not, not as far as having like an Excel sheet or anything on them, but I actually did put out a schedule so that I wouldn't forget somebody at the library or not that that never happened, but um, you know, forget where the kids were, who they were with and what they were doing. Um, so after the Olympics, I was approached by someone that about a story Adam shared. And when their dad and I got divorced, one of the things I wanted to explain to them was that he was not coming back to this house because I kept the family home and the kids stayed with me. And I didn't, they, I could tell they were very young. They were three, five, seven, nine, 11 and 13 when I got divorced. And um, I, I didn't want them to be confused that this was like a separation or that your, their dad was coming back to this house. And um, so I, I got this idea and I talk about it in the book that I wrote on the back deck, kind of, t I took a role kind of who was going to be living in this house. And I said, in this home lives Adam, a champion, Tyler, a creator, Brady, a genius, uh, Jordan, a master teacher, Dagny, a leader, and sort multitude of joy, and Kelly, who's blessed with abundance. And I just stuck that on the back porch because I didn't want to just write Adam, Tyler, Brady, Jordan, right? I wanted it to kind of add a little bit of color to it, but I didn't want to give the kids something aspirational that I wanted them to you know, move toward, I wanted to tell them who I thought they already were. So that gave them the freedom of filling in the, the frame that I said, you have all the, you, you are a champion. You have all the makings to be a champion or whatever you want to be. Brady, you're a genius. You and my have, favorite. 
Yeah. Well, right. And my he favorite. Yet, I guess. <laughs> and there's a lovely story in there about him because he is, since he's my favorite, he let me tell all the foibles, you know, of his uh, I'm taking an electric knife to my cabinets and et cetera, et cetera. See, that's um, like, that's like mom, um, just like using your mom's psychic abilities or whatever it is right there. It's like, yes, you know how to. You know how to work your kids. That's how, that's what good moms do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they said, look, let's write this down because Adam kept talking about it in in every interview. And they're like, we're really interested in this story. So when I did it, it sounded more like a a how-to business thing. And they said, is there any way you can incorporate that business plan into more of a personal stories and integrate it with some personal stories? Because I think it would make... Um, and I think, you know, Megan, as, as a mom of five, a lot of people say, well, how do you do it? Could you write in a, and you already know after your third child, you're so humbled after that, that you know that right. you, you will never give anyone advice. You give them some <laughs> options. Right. You know that you, you know how much you don't know. Right. And, and people say like, uh, you know, they they get all wound up. I'm like, two kids is very hard because you have two hands and you have enough available time to do a lot of reading. <laughs> so you feel like an expert in your lane and you're not. And and not until you're humbled with like at least four kids, maybe you realize you'll never know what you right. don't know. Yes. You that know? was definitely three was a turning point for me. And yes. four was when I threw my hands up and the, went, okay. Exactly. Three <laughs> yes. was when you were still kicking the laundry basket into a closet <laughs> by right. four you didn't care. You asked the person to step over the basket. Don't fall, right. please. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. So, yep. yeah. So I, so that's why I wrote the book and, um, the source book picked it up and, um, offered a, a contract and I accepted it. And the book was published in December of 2020. So books, you know, it sounds like someone approaches you in 2018 and then three months later, you have a book. It was, you know, probably about a 20 month <laughs> yeah. process yeah. and launching during a pandemic was very interesting because the entire tour was canceled. And, um, that, I mean, it was just, just a fragile time for everyone. Um, yeah. so, yeah. Wow. Uh, but I became an expert on zoom, you know, um, and did a lot of, uh, different benefits for organizations and, and healthcare workers. And then I started talking to parents, coaches reached out to me because they said, you know, is there a way that you could talk to my parents? Because so they were skating coaches and they said, um, I'm doing skating on zoom. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but our rinks are closed and, um, I don't want the kids to fall behind. And I don't think the parents understand the process of why they're, what they're learning and why they're, it's important for them to continue these habits. So I started doing some workshops um, for some coaches and explaining that, you know, when you're taking lessons, it's not about getting a trophy. It's about practicing habits. And when you go to practice, you're actually practicing the art of practicing. You're not really practicing to be an Olympic champion or a state champion or, um, you know, have a perfect SAT score. You're actually practicing liking the process of improving. Wow. Yeah. That is such a different way to look at it because then if you look at it that way, it almost doesn't matter what the thing is you're doing. The value is in the practicing, the practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, 
So you mentioned that that's that you were putting workshops workshops together. I know right now you've got a workshop or a project called Put the Fun Back in Sports, and I think you've also got one that's maybe it's the same one, but it, it can be geared toward team sports or dance or cheer or any activity. Really. Right. So tell us about what that looks like. Well, it's about trying to establish a supportive culture because I explained to studio owners and coaches that when a parent feels their purpose, you know, when they feel a significant contribution, not the person who's just driving, they are opportunity creators. And when they feel confident in that role, they're not trying to be a assistant coach or an assistant choreographer or an assistant anything. They're more than happy to be the top, as you say, of that momager or that manager, that ops person, um, that CEO with a family, and to manage and to delegate those jobs and to oversee those jobs. So it's about lowering the stress of the support environment. You not only create a culture that's very positive and it's a healthy competition, but you um, you lower injuries because you lower the uh potential of a distraction um, injury. And they happen when kids lose focus or when somebody says, you're just not in your shoes today, you're not over your skis, or you're not over your skates or, uh, you know, whatever a coach may say. And it's, it's generally caused by a distraction. It's something that's said to them or something that took place before they got to the studio or the rink or the, the field or the gym. So talk to parents about that. And you know, um, and it's in a non-judgmental way because when I remember when uh, Adam was young, the, so a, a sports psychologist came in and talked to some of us and the, she was trying to be helpful, but she honestly didn't understand what we were going through and the kinds of pressures that you feel because you, you know, just from watching your child at a spelling bee or at a, at a holiday concert, you know, if they have that, that one line that they must say, but Mr. Claus, what if Christmas is canceled, you know, and that's right, their only yes. line. And they say, and if they mess it up, yes. then the whole show is like, not yes. going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they don't understand that. So some of the parents, you know, that I have made friends with some of the skating parents really encouraged me to do this. And they said, you know, this is it, instead of going into Verizon or, um, you know, one of the one of the co companies that you used to go in to do the you know customer service training. Wouldn't it be great if you did that for other parents so that they could truly embrace the joy of what they're witnessing? Because your kids are only going to be 10. They're only going to be 15. They're only going to be 20 once. Yeah. And it's so hard to look back saying, oh, my God, all I remember about your baseball career was that time where I got in the accident. Nobody came for the flat tire. Like, isn't that awful that yeah. sometimes they are the memories because we are in such a rush to get to the next place. And it is possible to enjoy the journey. Luckily was able to um, identify by speaking to parents that were ahead of me um, and them talking to me saying like, whoa, 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 this is not stressful. This is, right. you know, stressful is not being able to find the doctor that can identify, you know, the illness that your child has. That's stressful. This is joy and you need to take it down a notch. And um, 
but it's, it's, it, parents are missing so much and um, they're missing lifelong friendships. There's only skating parents that understand, you know, uh, a skating costume costs more than a wedding dress. Only another skating parent would understand that. Only another skating parent would understand that your kids are, are moving on a concrete surface covered in ice with knives screwed Attached into their, their shoes. Yes. 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 So, and we're saying faster, higher, right? Right. We, yeah. We wouldn't be saying that if they were on the driveway. So, um, you know, the parents that are with cheer or with dance or, you know, with youth soccer, these people can be your friends. You all want the same thing. You want your kids to develop good habits and to feel good about themselves because there's a big difference. You know, so often people will say, I'm so proud. You must be so proud to have your son as the Olympic champion. And I'll say, you know, he did not win the Olympics. He just acted like it. You know, he acted (laughs) (laughs) and it's a confusing thing. But you know what? He felt he got so much out of it. He felt like the winner because he felt like a winner. And yeah. it's possible to feel like that in everything you do. It does not have to be on such a public stage. Like I said, it could be the, but Mr. Claus, Santa, you know, Christmas is canceled this year. Um, that could be the Olympic moment for your child. And to be there, you know, whether they they hit it, you know, they nail the line or they mess it up, how they react to that and how they forgive themselves and how they keep going and saying, next year, I want to have three lines in the play. You know, um, it's that process of improving. Parents can practice that as well, you know, and it, and it does not have to be as stressful. It can, it can really um, be more of a, an experience versus once we get through this, it will be better, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like it can also be so tailored to the child and so gradual depending on where they're coming from. Yep. So, you know, it's not, you're gonna, not going to go from zero to hundred um, in one day or one year, even it's like building on what you've created. Kelly, this has been so fun. And I love this. I love that the, the feeling I've really gotten from talking with you is that you've had all of these kids pursuing all of these different interesting and sometimes high level elite level activities, but you've, but you've really focused too on the family unit. You've really focused on, you know, I don't know that we can say normal because what does that even mean? Right. But like keeping that, like as that um, North star for you and your family is that you are a family first and that you all have a, a role to play in that family. So I would love to just wrap up by talking about what family get togethers look like now, now that your kids are what, 20 to almost 31. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we do a lot of, um, some, almost all of us have iPhones, but there, I think we have two Androids in the mix. Um, so, uh, we do like a group on WhatsApp. And, you know, we, and there's a group, there's a family text where we're all, you know, group text, but there's also one without me so they can talk about me, which they're supposed to. Um, (laughs) So parents, like, please don't have to be, you do not have to have a seat at every table. You know, sometimes when they, they will come home for Christmas or something like that, they'll go out and they'll say, you coming with us? And I want, you know, there's so much fun, you know, and I want to say yes, but then I, I have to check myself. I'm like, 
no, you're not going to a bar with your 28 year old kids. Like, no, you're going to stay home. And, um, and sometimes I really do think that like the best things you could do for your like adult children is give them something to complain about, like, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. like space to talk about you. There's a safe you space. Know, yeah. A safe space. Exactly. Yeah. They love you. you. And they know. You can be and, confident in that. Oh my goodness. When I overhear someone say, but she, and I'll say, she has a name and her name is mom. And they say, oh, she heard me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so we do. And now Christmas has always been upside down because um, now Adam was home uh, for uh, off and on years because the Olympic trial years, uh, nationals is always the first week of January. So he has to stay tight. And then the last couple of years, he was in the Grand Prix final. And that's the second week of December. So he'd never made it home, you know, for Christmas um, until 2019. He was home and then luckily, yeah. And then we had the pandemic. Now during the pandemic, it was interesting because my son that lived out in New York was working remote and he came home. Um, My daughter was in France. Uh, She came home um, and uh, finished college remotely here. And she's the one in law school now. And then my daughter that was in California, her campus closed. So she came home. And my son that works in D.C., he stayed in in D.C. And then Adam was able to, for a chunk of the pandemic, go to Finland. So he was um, he was abroad. So we were kind of FaceTiming or WhatsApping um, each other. Now, um, this year will be a little bit different. You know, I I I'll see Adam like in two weeks. Um, I went out. June, I'm going to go out in two weeks um, to California, and then I'll be able to see my daughter there too. I think with the pandemic, it's been difficult um, for the last, say, two years as far as holidays. This year, no one will be coming home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think, I don't know, maybe crossing my fingers for a full house for Christmas. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, everything has been so weird and upside down for the last couple of years, but I imagine with a family uh, as varied as yours and, um, and interests and just like what everyone's got going on. And so many people, when you are all able to get together, it's probably a lot of fun. So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Kelly. This has been great. Um, we will have links to your social media accounts, your website and your book in the show notes for this episode. But if there was one place that listeners could just kind of remember to go check out um, everything you've got going on with your workshops, where should they go? Probably my Instagram, because that would, you know, that will link to just about everything. So my Instagram is Crippon, K-R-I-P-P-O-N. All right. We'll check that out, everybody. And, And again, Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. 
If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.